Welcome to another edition of the War of the Lions UK podcast, episode 148, Shut Out the Light. My name's Matthew Turner, alongside co-host Ryan and Steve. How you doing, boys? I've had a very nice day, personally. Been sat down watching Lord of the Rings, watching some college football, just forgetting about the Lions totally, and I feel a lot better for it, because yesterday just was depressing. But I'm happier today now. I've just really just been crying all day. Um, like sometimes sobbing, sometimes like wailing, but just sometimes just sort of sniffling, but just crying. I've been looking at some draft stuff. But, but the season to me is over, so I don't care. Like I say, I, I can't wait to wait for a draft. Like I say, season's written off for me, my expectations. They've made me look stupid in my predictions, so it's fine. Bing, 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 bing. That is the Lions bingo for Detroit Lions podcast mentioning the draft, and it's only taken five weeks. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Cross it off your bingo cards. The draft has been mentioned. We just need a former head coach to be mentioned now when we're at a full house. Um, can we also mention uh, Jim Caldwell Nostalgia, which also there we go. Um, was, was a, I, I saw in a couple of places on social media yesterday. So that was nice. That's another one off the bingo card. Jim Caldwell nostalgia. We don't and need we don't need a we don't need a bingo card. We just need to make it a drinking game. And, and we had crippling injuries this weekend as well, so that's off the bingo card as well. There, there we go. We we've had the trifecta already, and we're two minutes into the show. And just generally poor play calling. I mean, does that work for the Lions, or is that too generic? Mm. That's probably too generic, right? Yeah, we we need something more centric to us. You know, the only the only the only thing we didn't have this week was finding a bad way to lose a game because we, we never were in a position to win it. The refs didn't steal the game from us. That is a positive. You are right. Uh we didn't um, get a bad decision. It was pretty consistent all the way through. Oh no. I, I think the I think the second Akuda PI was trash. But outside of that, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Just want to thank yeah. everyone in the live chats for joining along with us if I mean, we're doing this because we committed to do this beforehand but you guys are voluntarily listening to this show so props to you guys sorry steve i was just yeah just to everyone else who's watching just like i mean i'm struggling to see you weirdos why <laughs> yeah <laughs> Absolutely. You do know we're meant to. You do know we're meant to be encouraging people to listen to us and grow the numbers. That's the Let's roast the chat. Here. Roast the chat. Let's go. <laughs> no one's going to want to listen to the next hour. No one with a, a sound mind, because we're going to break them. I don't know. What 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 if me and Steve agree to do a duet? I think that might get people in. Yeah, no one needs that. Let's move on. Uh, let's do some housekeeping before getting on to what I'm loosely terming the main event, talking about Lions at the Patriots. But let's talk about our Discord channel. We have had a few more entries over the weekend and some really active people, which has been great. It's a good community of people. Please do come and join us on there. I'll stick the link 
in the chats in just a moment. College Football Podcast is coming up on Wednesday. Ant was saying pre-show that he was prepping up for it. And what happened over this weekend, Ant? Um, a lot of good football that is happy to watch. So, yeah, we can, we're going to be having a look at week six of the season. We're going to look ahead to week seven. And I think we're taking a look at kickers and safeties on the show this week as well. And we're only one week away from the half-season mock draft because the college season is going really, really quickly at the minute. So me and Ryan will be prepping our mock drafts for that. So, uh, yeah, come. There is a lot to uh, There's a lot to enjoy in college land at the minute. It's, it's good fun. And the team I'm backing for glory this year, UCLA, remain undefeated. So good stuff. Uh <laughs> Someone from the Pac-12 division, Brian, might be relevant. Hey, that one team no. won this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Pac-12. yeah, do you go into... No. Shit, and we proved it. <laughs> um, please don't forget to like the episode, sub to the channel, rate us, all that good stuff that you guys can do. We'd really appreciate that. Grandizer in the chat says, if we get a Ryan rant, we'll like and sub. So, Ryan, you got to do your bit later on in the show, my man. Lions Nation Unite, please do go and download that app. Herman Moore's project to bring the best in YouTube content creators for the Lions together. Find it at lionsnationunite.com. And we are a Twitch affiliate. If you do subscribe to Amazon Prime and you don't currently use your Prime subscription, you can throw it our way for free. doesn't cost you a penny, but puts a little in our pocket. Much, much appreciated. Just quickly, Darth Twerk says, do the folk of Royal Alliance UK have favourite college teams? Ryan, you are a fan of? I'm not a fan of them, but I chose Arizona State. I'm regretting it. I am very close to just... Not having a team at all. So I could be a free agent very soon, but I don't think I want to pick another because it's not cracked up to what it is to be, is it? Like, so being a fan of one sports team, it just hurts you. Yeah. When they hire Matt Rule, that'll be the nail in the coffin. Uh, I'm just kind of generally fans of Michigan teams. I haven't really kind of boiled down my fandom into one team just yet. I'm kind of just watching everything as much as I can. Ash. One of our writers, he is a Florida State fan. <laughs> and you kind of follow the entire league, right? Oh, I follow North Carolina State at the minute. So they kicked FSU's ass. This, well, they didn't kick their ass, but they beat them this weekend. So I'm happy with that. But Devin Leary's injured, so that's a shame. He could be out a while. And Steve, you don't really have a team, do you? Um, I guess Michigan, I would say. Um but yeah, like I, I don't watch a, a lot of it, although I think I may be increasingly turning to college football this season. I mean, well, if you're watching I, Michigan, I know, Blake Corum's fun. Well, I know a great podcast you can listen to about college football, Steve, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Let's get on with the news before we get into the game. The Lions signed wide receiver Maurice Alexander and cornerback AJ Parker to the active roster to make way... Quintus Cephas went to IR. That's locking him out for at least the next four games. And the kicker, Austin Seibert, was waived in a surprise move just before the game. Um, Dan, only two days before, (laughs) was talking about the fact that they were quietly confident that he was going to play in this game. And then the day before, he's gone, which is a real shock. The safety, Savion Smith, I should say DB, because he's a cornerback, really, I thought. Anyway, Savion Smith. He played two snaps before in that second snap, going to hospital with a neck injury. Looks really rough. 
I feel slightly smug for kind of calling it live in terms of how exactly it went down. So Hunter Henry kind of gets his fingertips just in his um in his helmet, twists his head as he's trying to move in the other direction, caused a neck injury, wasn't actually clear what it was on the field, so it made it a bit more guesswork, but uh went off in an ambulance on the field to look really rough, his dad and uncle going with him. But since then, about an hour ago, it was confirmed that there is no neck damage and he's only in the concussion protocol, which is terrific news that there is perhaps no more um, lasting spinal neck damage. I mean, concussions, as we all know, can be pretty devastating, but you come away from this thinking that potentially it could have been a heck of a lot worse. Final bit of news. Injuries during the game were a real, real problem, uh, especially in the DB room. So Will Harris got the start. Uh, if you didn't watch yesterday, you might be surprised to hear that Will Harris got the start. But he got the start and promptly got a groin injury and did not return. Akuda had an undisclosed injury but returned after a couple of series. Uh, Deshaun Elliott, who did not start the game, did come on for Savion Smith, did get cramps and had to be carted to the locker room but returned. And if Fatu Melifonwu he had an ankle injury and he had to go to the locker room. It was um, it was really really rough, guys. Just aside from the game, we are we are playing, you know, we're, we're scraping the barrel with our DBs right now, and it really, you know, if we get some bad news on how long term some of these might be, it points to the future being even darker than it already was, and it wasn't exactly great to begin with in that position. No, uh, we were scraping the barrel at the position before the season started the position room in general was crap before the first game and now it's just got worse and just some weird decisions like I say to not start Deshaun Elliott like it don't make sense because he's played well throughout the season he's been pretty consistent and like we knew they wanted to run the ball and he's one of the best tacklers and he's strong in the box now the whole Instagram thing that can't be the issue he didn't start because if that were true or if you had him for it he wouldn't even be active I'd have fucking got rid of him I wouldn't even have him on the team if it was any truth behind him saying, fuck Detroit, I want to get out of here. So why didn't he start? I said, what exactly were they hoping to achieve by playing a defensive back with no experience, totally out of position? So that was a bizarre decision itself. Akuda, well, I'm pretty sure the injury should have been like burnt toast or smelt like it because he got smoked on the day. He, He had a stinker, but it's one of them things, isn't it? So he's due a few bad games. Amane, like, at least at least he came up. Just tell us the truth. Like, say, he got benched because he's been shit this season. Like I said, I don't care, like, oh, he don't play special teams. Like I said, that's why I chose Will Harris. Will Harris don't play fucking anything well. Like I said, so that's not exactly much of a justification. You might as well just be honest and say, I wanted to try something a bit different. And it didn't work. If he came on, made what, like, what? one tackle and instantly left the game. It did blow a guy up, but if he's made of Piper Mashi as well, that'll just be another one. So yeah, this this DB room right now is held together by like sawdust and PVA glue. It was terrible at start of the season right now. It's looking bad. The fact that Jerry Jacobs coming back is great, and even I don't think he's good enough to should be starting, but that is where we are right now. When Jerry comes back, you'll probably win a starting job. That's just because how lackluster this room is. So, yeah, it's going to be another defensive draft, I think. 
Yeah, I mean, you've got to you've got to start putting some significant resources into this secondary now because it's beaten, it's battered, it's bruised, and again, like a lot of other areas of this team, senior players are failing. They are not performing. They are not leading by example, and they are not doing well. And it's just seeping through to this entire team. So, you know, it injuries can't be helped. You know, in games like this, you you cannot, you absolutely cannot help them here. But it's just becoming apparent now that the rooms are a mess. You have a lot of youngsters in there, but you have very little established talent. You are going to go into next year at the minute with very little established talent because Tracy Walker ain't going to be fit by the start of next season. So you've got to start your safety room again. Who knows what's going to go on with Amani? It looks like he's on his way out. He's been benched. You know, he's not performing well at the minute. It just does not look good with him. Jeff, you're going to have. But outside of that, at the minute, it's very uncertain. So... It's it's tough, but they need to start addressing it now. This just going on, you know, just going linemen all the time. They can't keep doing it and abandoning other areas of this team. We, we've got to get some bona fide starter potential on there right away. We've got to do something to fix these units because they're just going to carry on letting us down. And how with how thin they are, it's just it's just. It's really, really difficult. You know, you, you see now Panthers have fired the head coach today. You want to be on the phone. You want to be trying to find talent. You want to be in that trademark trying to find somebody to come in and help us because we need it. We can't carry on with this amount of injuries in the unit this year. Yep. All right. Let's move on to the game then. Uh, so Detroit nil, New England 29, and a game where statistically you would be fooled potentially for thinking that this was a, a game that would be pretty close. So the Lions outgained New England through the air, 229 to 188. New England on the ground, 176 to 101. Bailey Zappi actually ended up with a QBR of 24 and a half. You know, he didn't look good. Zappi didn't look great. He, he didn't look bad. He just didn't look good. Unfortunately, Jared Goff had a QBR of 6.5. So, fun. Um, Lions actually did have some production through the air, as I mentioned, led by Josh Reynolds, 6 for 92, and Craig Reynolds, 3 for 68. Khalif Raymond caught five balls, which must be some sort of career high, 5 for 45. Jacoby Myers and Hunter Henry got it done through the FNU England, the only guys to get over 15 yards receiving on their team. Myers, 7 for 111, and Hunter Henry, 4 for 54. The only significant stat in the entire game, Ramondre Stevenson, 25 carries, 161 yards. He absolutely tore us a new one. Mainly, though, apart from one big run early, a lot of it was down the stretch when they were trying to kill the game, and we just couldn't stop him. Um, looking at the game, uh, elevated uh, Savion Smith, and Michael Badgley, the kicker. Inactives were wide receiver DJ Chark, running back DeAndre Swift, tight, air, tight end, tackle uh, Matt Nelson, defensive lineman Kaminsky and Harris, cornerback Armani Oruwarie, and safety Juju Hughes. Ryan's already touched on Oruwarie, which is the the biggest decision of the entire thing. Apart Juju Hughes was also a surprise because he was the starter in the few games before then. So both of them go from starter to not even on the bench, but just completely gone from the active team. Uh, let's just focus on Armani and with the rest of you guys. What did he make of Armani not even being 
a backup for this game because it's one thing to punish him by saying you're not starting, but to say to him, you ain't good enough to be our outside cornerback three, it's a heck of a statement. I think it's the correct one, 100%. He's been performing awfully, and you have to make a statement with him. I think benching him and then bringing him in after five or ten snaps and saying, there, you've learned, you've learned your lesson is not, is not good enough. I mean, we didn't know we were going to get five defensive back injuries in this game and we may end up needing it. We didn't know that, you know. So, you know, it's easy to say with hindsight, with all the injuries, why is he not in the team, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it was 100% the right decision to make. These vets need to know that their performances are not good enough and that they will be punished for it with no playing time. Amani is in a contract year, so sitting on the bench is no good for him because no one's going to pay him. If he's sat on the bench doing nothing, we ain't going to pay him if he's doing that. And he won't get anything anywhere else. So I was 100% on board with it. And next game we play, it needs to be Brockers. He needs to get the same treatment because once again, he ranks bottom three in defense. He has been even more useless than Amani has. So I want to see this treatment dished out to more of the players. I don't care whether it means we have to bring rookies, undrafted free agents in, etc. You know, they... They can't be just starting all the time for lack of a better option. You know, they've got to be real world consequences to not playing well for this team. So I'm 100% on board with the decision to to just shelve him entirely. Hopefully he's learned something from this and he will come back and he will try a lot harder. Steve? Wow. Aman is in a contract year. I would love to be a fly on the wall for those negotiations. Yeah, I I think it's an overreaction, personally. Um, He didn't deserve to start, but is this about virtue signaling the fact that you're unhappy with someone, or is it about winning football games? You cannot tell me, as much as I love Bobby Price, everyone knows I love Bobby Price, you cannot tell me that Bobby Price provides as much on the field, even including special teams ability, than Amari Oroarie does. I'm sorry, but you cannot tell me that that's the case. Amani must be your cornerback three in terms of pure ability. I do not get punishing him to that extent. It's not necessary. If he's cornerback three and he can come on in the game and affect the game but only having 10 or 15 snaps, maybe 20, if one of your cornerbacks goes down or gets a bit, you know, out of path, that's fine. But Bobby got absolutely torched in this game, one for a touchdown, Armani wouldn't have made that mistake. Now, Armani has not been good this year, but you would not have seen him make the mistake that led to that specific touchdown. That was the one that was thrown on the near sideline corner of the end zone for their final touchdown in the second half. Bobby just busts it. It's really bad. So I feel like he has, Dan has sacrificed footballing ability on the field to make a statement. And I don't agree with it, fundamentally. He, he I've makes, got, I've he got makes a theory on this. Go. So, I think, and you're going to say, oh, this is a bit of a conspiracy, or you're reading too much into it. I think that Dan and the coaching staff have fallen in love with themselves on hard knocks. And I think that they have completely like bought in to the whole hard knocks, reality TV, you know, we have to have a narrative. We have to, you know, we have to have some drama every week because it doesn't feel to me like they're running this franchise like a football team, but they're running it like a reality show, which is why every week 
we have these like overreaction decisions, whether it's personnel decisions like benching people or it's like fourth down, you know, let's go for it six times on fourth down. It just feels to me like they're trying to make it all about them because a lot of the best coaches in the NFL and the best coaching staff, you're kind of not aware of, of them during the game, during, you know, they, 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 they've got their scheme set, they make things happen on the field, but you're just focusing on the players and what they're doing. But we seem to be focusing all the time on coaching and coaching decisions, whether it's, like I said, personnel or trying to intervene in the game, like trying to game manage too heavily. And I just think they've all fallen in love with themselves on hard knocks, and that's part of the problem. So there was, there was a time under Matt Patricia when we were begging, pleading for him to drop his best players because of how bad they were. You know, Jamie Collins, Trey Flowers, you know, Nick Williams, all these guys who saw the field all the time despite how awful they played, and he kept picking them again and again and again and again and again, and we hated him for it. So why now, when Dan Campbell makes the ballsy decisions to drop his players, do we seem to have an issue with it? Playing for the Detroit Lions should be an honour, a privilege that you earn by playing well on the field and training well to do it. You know, training well. Amari Arawari has not earned that privilege this season. He has been awful. You say he doesn't make mistakes. He made six mistakes two weeks ago when he just kept throwing flags for fun. He was rubbish last week before okay. this. You're putting words and... in my mouth a bit there, though. I said he wouldn't make that specific mistake for no. a touchdown. I'm, I'm not saying that he wouldn't commit a DPI, but I'm just saying that specific mistake very... he wouldn't have made. No, maybe not. But it does not mean he's infallible to be mistakes. You should earn your right to play on this team. By keeping him as cornerback three, no matter how bad he plays, just because you think he might not make the mistake the rookie does, that's telling him that he can play however the hell he wants and still see time on this pitch. And that is the wrong message for the Detroit Lions to send out. You know, him sitting on that bench, seeing Bobby Price getting skinned and he can't even get in the team should be humiliating for him. It should mean, like, hang on, actually, I've got to pull my socks up and start playing well here because if I don't, I ain't going to get back in this team again. This should be applauded. I am sick and tired of vets getting on this team, doing jack squat and getting reps every week. I am sick of it. And I'm glad that Dan is taking a hard line. I saw Brockers this week, only 11 snaps. His snap count is going down. He's going to be out of this team soon. And it's going to be the right decision. It was the, you know, we criticised Matt Patricia for never doing it. So we cannot criticise Dan Campbell for taking a hard line with his bets, even if it's potentially to the detriment of this defence, which it's not. These vets have hardly done a job this year on defence to make it worthwhile. It's not like he's sacrificing the potential of winning this game because they've been awful and they've added very little to this team. And by letting them go, you're not losing a lot. You really are not. So it's just 100% be backed this decision. And like I say, I hope more are coming forth with. Right. Let's move it on and just talk briefly about the game. Um, I'm just going to do a highlight kind of cliff note part of this because I don't want to indulge in it too much, but very start of the game, Lions go for it on the fourth and a half yard from their own 40 yard line. Uh, they don't make it. And then the Detroit D holds the New England offense to a field goal for three to nothing. Let's just take that first 
decision because it is a key one in this game. Uh, Flip's momentum, I say Flip's momentum, like we were in the ascendancy and we weren't, but it did shift momentum from 50-50 to completely in their favour. It does seem like the risk versus reward there is potentially not there. Yeah, it's only a half yard. And yeah, you're, you're near midfield, but failing to get that half yard and what it can do to your confidence for the the rest of the game. It it seemed to completely just deflate the team. And, you know, great that the defense stood up. It's a situation where we might have given up touchdowns earlier on this year. So well done to them. But for me, it's totally the wrong decision. You've got the best punter in the league. Use him. Pin him back. Is Bailey Zappi really going to drive him 90, 95 yards down the field? Maybe. But force him to do it. What do you guys make of it? Ryan, in fact, Ryan, why don't you take it? Because you haven't spoken for a bit. Yeah. Uh, it was just a disaster, I'd say. The Savion Smith injury, that shell-shocked him. So the, the, the first two drives after that, they didn't have a fucking clue what was going on. Like I say, it, they were inside their own heads. And going for it on that fourth down, with the very predictable, like, say, like, oh, let's go in eye formation, like, the running back was like five yards away from the line of scrimmage, so he had to get a run up and then blown up for the middle. Like that was so predictable. We'd see it again later in the game. Like I said, what is wrong with just getting Jared Goff in a QB sneak? I know he's fucking useless, not very athletic, but at least try just sneak it in. I don't think we've gone for a QB sneak nearly all year, and we're supposed to fight this fourth down masters. We make life as hard as possible. And a QB that is going to rely on a two-headed juggernaut run game to give him the ball at like the 47-yard line, like our own halfway line, was asking for trouble. Like I said, this defence was understaffed to begin with and then instant on the back foot. Yeah. So if we make it, yeah, we get the momentum, but we gave all that momentum away. So fourth down was an absolute shit show. Just the entire game, it was just dreadful. And... The fact that they held him to a field goal felt like a win because that drive did not go well. Neither the next one. But the first two told them a field goal. I thought to myself, maybe they're going to be able to overcome losing someone and that shocked the system because they all looked upset. And I thought, they've shaken it off. They managed to come together and going to play for him. But yeah, that ended very quickly, that feeling. So... It's very easy to just blame the coaching staff on this one and say, well, they shouldn't be going for fourth down in this situation, but that's excusing the players. You need half a yard. I'm I'm sorry, but you need half a yard. You've got three first-round picks on that offensive line. You've got the best-scoring offense in the league. You've got a play caller at OC who manages to mix it up, keep defenses guessing, plays really well. I'm sorry, but if you can't get half yard in that situation, that's on the players just as much as it is on coaching. I mean, it's not difficult. It really isn't difficult to convert in those situations if you fight hard enough. And, you know, just from play one in this game, the Patriots wanted it more on both sides of the ball. They simply wanted it more. They battered both sides of our lines. And we just have no answer to it. You know, we've been told this is a team with grit, with determination, that's going to play harder, be stronger, going to keep coming at you. And yet we can't convert half a yard because we're overwhelmed. Where's the fight there? Where's the desire to convert that? Keep your drive going. 
you know, it's Dan Campbell showing that he believes in his offense to convert for half a yard. I mean, you know, God forbid that a head coach can put that much faith in his offense and it be his fault when it goes wrong. It's just the players take responsibility for that one. They just completely let the pocket collapse. The play died. And I expect better from them because that is the elite aspect of our team right there with our best players in there and we could not convert and it puts pressure on the defense. I just, I think it's more the players fault that one. You cannot not convert that. It is disgusting that they allowed it really. I mean, this might be controversial, but I'm going to say our offensive line is one of the most overrated units in the entire NFL. People blow smoke up its ass, myself included, for years now. This line has done fucking nothing together, even when it's been together. In pass pro, it's been dog shit. It's been poor for weeks. It's a great run unit, and it creates massive holes for running, but creating a pocket for Jared Goff, it's been piss poor for two years, the majority of it. And the best ability is availability, and they just haven't shown it. This is not a top five O-line unit. We've invested in heavily, and I'm no longer going to try to convince myself that it is. And I won't let anyone else either. The rose-tinted glasses are coming off. I think one of the things for me is people have spent a lot of time talking about going for it on fourth down and six failed fourth down attempts. For me, we we need to talk more about why are we in fourth down situations all the time? Mm. Like, Like why? Like the play calling was really, really predictable. Again, like really predictable. Um, every time we win a you know third and long fourth down situation, you know, Belichick and Patricia and the, the Patriots just absolutely outcoached us. And that's like a massive worry because you know we we in terms of like getting behind this franchise, we've got to be behind like the coach and stuff. And if they you know it's it's not like they don't have weapons. Like, it's not like Jamal Williams can't make a yard. So what the fuck was going on with the play calling? Um, like, just embarrassing. And then, you know, just going back onto the, the decision to keep going for, you know, fourth and long six times, I think NFL record failed, fourth downs, you know, something else for us to laugh about. Campbell's drafted, um, as, as drafted in Michael Badgley. Michael Badgley has made three field goals from over 50 yards in the last five seasons. Uh, Three field goals made from 50 yards, 10 missed. He's not kicked a 50-yard field goal since 2020 when he was playing for the Chargers. Even at 40 yards, he's 28 and 37 at 40 to 49 yards. Like in 2020, when he got cut from the Chargers, 40 yards plus, he was 8 and 13. Why the fuck have we got this guy in the team? Why have we cut Cyber and drafted in this guy if we've got absolutely no trust and he's not going to be on the field? We may as well just use the roster spot for another safety or, or DB. Like, I just do not understand Jack Fox taking kickoffs. What is Badgley in a uniform for? I have no idea. And so for Campbell to say, oh, you know, like we just had to like wait till we got like the right field goal. Well, 
you know, it, it's it's just a bad decision. Are you telling me that there's no kickers out there that can't kick a forty-five year old forty-five year old field goal? I mean, I, I, I'm going to tell you that yeah, there there aren't any out there in, in free agency. I had a look at the free agency kickers before all this went down. It is barren out there. Some people are trying to sell people on there being decent kickers available if only we picked the right ones. And it's like, sorry, but I know that people, some people are out on Brad Holmes, some people are uh, saying, you know, I'm 50-50 on him, some people love him. But whether you love him or hate him, do you think he's a terrifically bad talent evaluator? Do you think he's like shockingly bad? Because I'm pretty sure he's not choosing a shit kicker on purpose. Like, sorry, do you think he's just deliberately going out there thinking, oh, I'm just going to pick this guy because it's someone. Like, he's gone out there and he's picked what happens to be the most available guy for the job at the time. Maybe Cybert was carrying a very small knock still coming into the game. They didn't think they could rely on him on that game. And they thought, actually, you know what? Let's just take the opportunity to go somewhere else because he wasn't even that great when he was on the field anyway. And yeah, it's it's a sucky situation in Detroit where we've been so blessed with kickers in the past. But, and I keep saying this to people about any position in free agency, if there's an easy upgrade, someone's already done it. Like, why do you think that it's easy to upgrade people at this time in free agency? It's just not, because if it was, they'd have 100 waiver claims. It's not that simple. Why put, why put him in a uniform if you don't trust him to make a kick? How, how can he prove himself if he doesn't kick the ball? Yeah, fair. But I mean, it would have been a 49-yard kick, which you just said they had a 70% success rate on. Like, it wouldn't have been an absolutely awful kick to try and attempt. Now, it's a longer range between 40 and 50, I agree. Maybe it's about 50-50. But attempting that kick would have been better than doing nothing. And that's what he's there for. But if what you were trying to highlight was he should have done the kick because that's what he's there for, then then I think maybe that point is well made. I just don't... I'm with you. I don't get why you wouldn't kick that in terms of why is he suited up at all? Don't have a kicker at all. I, I get it. But, but what, why put him on the team if you're then not got the confidence in your own player evaluation? If you've evaluated him, gone, this is our guy, this is the best available guy, why then do you not give him chance? Like, I just don't understand that. It, it, it just doesn't seem to me logical decision-making. It just seems to me like absolute like scrambled brain fog in terms of like how, how they are putting these things together. Like who is making the decisions here? I, I, I don't think they know what they're going to do. I, I think they're just winging it. I mean, we saw the prep that they do during hard knocks. I don't believe they're winging it, but I think the alternative is worse. They, they might be bad. They might just be bad at this. Like, I'm not willing to go there. I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think that they're potentially just slightly out of their depth and they're still learning and it's just a fat learning curve. But the alternative to them being underprepared is they're not good. I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, when you're shut out of a game, you are thoroughly outplayed in every single facet of that game. That is a bad team. That's not been underprepared. You know, that is just, you're bad. You know, you, you how do you see the regression from the number one offense in the league to no points? You know, and your defense does okay, but again, it's still, it still just gives up too much plays. It gets cooked by a sixth round rookie. It gets two 
two pressures the entire game. Two pressures. That is it. Two times. And one of them, there should have been a sack. It's just completely... Zappe just juked our number two pick in the draft. Like he, like he just wasn't there. Like he was some, you know, scrub off the street. You know, that is just... The team is bad. This is not the best offensive line in the world you're playing against here. It's not bad. It's pretty decent. But to get two pressures in the entire game against it shows you you are bad. You really are. Where, where were our depth edge rushes again? Where's Julian? Where's Austin? You know, where the hell are any of these guys? I tell you what, they're nowhere. They're getting stuffed by one-on-ones. They are making no impact on games whatsoever. I think this depth we thought we had is not there at the edge position, it sure as hell is not there. You know, we thought that Charles and Hutch, followed by Aquara and Bryant, and that would be a decent rotation. Well, it's not a decent rotation. It's not even half decent at this moment in time. I think, you know, the secondary is that ruined by injuries and you just can't really do anything at the minute. At linebacker, you're just riddled with inconsistent play. It's, I think it's just the team been bad. And I think we're just going to have to sort of come to the realisation that it is not what we thought it was going to be. And the offence just cannot bail it out all year. You've seen that there are problems with this offence. Now, I'm with Ryan. I'm not as sold on this offensive line anymore just because of how bad its pass pro is and how it got thoroughly outplayed by one man. And I think you've got a lot of problems to fix going forwards. And, you know, the line at the start of the season, we all thought it would be the quarterback that would be the issue. Jared Goff ain't 10th on the list of needs this team, this team needs at the minute. It, it, you know, the defense has taken way bigger priority over any decision that needs to be made in a quarterback at the minute because the team is bad. Right. What I'm going to do is this chat and conversation is really good so instead of breaking it up by me going through the game i'm just going to go through the game in terms of cliff notes and then we can just carry on having this conversation so let's let's let me crack on with this and then maybe there'll be some talking points from this and we can talk generally about the team as well because to be honest that's going to be much more fun than talking about this game so three to nothing where i left it first and 10 from new england 19 good offensive drive but goff Double clutches and then throws an awful interception into double coverage, picked off by Jack Jones, his second interception in straight games for the New England Patriots, the fourth-round rookie really balling out for them. Pats then pull off a huge Stevenson run for 50 from his own 20, gets down to the 31. A great touchdown-saving tackle by Alex Anzalone. When it looked like that Stevenson could rumble on for a touchdown, he really made up some yards fast. Actually made Stevenson look pretty slow with the way that he caught back up to him, which was good. Um, Lions D then, you know, having put themselves in the hole, Titans to hold um, New England to another field goal. So that makes it six to nothing, despite putting themselves in holes twice of their own making. After that, a massive return from Maurice Alexander from the kickoff, returned it from the one to the 47 of Detroit, but the drive stalls after a big sack. They punt away, but then Lions intercept having punted. So Fox pins them deep. They make about 20 yards, but then from their own 30, Zappi throws on target. The wide receiver bobbles it. It was a good throw by Zappi, but the wide receiver bobbles it straight into Sean Elliott's hands. He made a really good catch for that interception. The ball looked like it was well on its way to the grounds. Not only does he make the leap and extends, he manages to get his hands underneath the ball to secure the catch. That was really good. 
Um, following the interception, not a lot happens. They make about 18 yards or so, get down to fourth and nine at the New England 32. So it's a 49-yard attempt at this point. Three minutes 40 left in the first half at six to nothing. Um, so evaluating the options, you've got a punt. You can try and pin him deep. If it goes for a touchback, it's only a net gain of 12 yards. It's a 49-yard attempt. We've heard from Steve that maybe 49 is a bit long for this kicker, but we don't know. Or you can go for it on fourth and nine. Uh, Dan, in the press conference, said he was very happy with the decision, that they had a really great play call and just didn't execute the play. I have to agree to disagree on that one. Uh, Sack fumble touchdown by Kyle Duggar on the play. Yeah, it, it just didn't make sense. So... Goff trying to escape pressure, and we saw Goff falling into his own kind of um, bad habits as he's done in the past, trying to run out the pocket to evade pressure and extend the play, which he, he just can't. He's not fast enough to run away from pressure, so don't do it. 13 to nothing, and then another late field goal drive in the last three minutes gives New England a 16 to nil lead at the half. The first drive touchdown. Uh, sorry, first drive, field goal then makes it 19 to nothing. The Lions can get nothing going, missing lots of other fourth downs, as we talked about earlier. A lovely touchdown pass to Jacoby Myers on the near sideline. Wide open in the corner after Bobby Price busts the coverage, makes it 26 to nothing. And a final field goal late makes it 29 zip. And a few themes or talking points I'm going to just say, but maybe we'll talk about some of the plays in there. Head coaching decisions, right or wrong? Were there any scheme issues? Did we see some slight defensive improvement from this team? Were there any positives at all whatsoever? Can you think of any positives in terms of the team or in individual performances? And is anyone's seat getting warm? So they're my talking points in the chats. If you have any thoughts on any of those things, please do get them in. Maybe I'll reference them as we go through in this conversation. Maybe we can go back to the fourth and nine. In fact, well, Steve's got his hand up before. Maybe I go there. So, Steve. Just in terms of talking points, okay? Can we talk about one of the most basic things in football, which is tackling? Okay? Ramondre Stevenson is not even the Patriots' number one running back. He ran for 161 yards. Can anyone tell me what percentage of those 161 yards were yards after contact. Probably a lot. Yeah, yeah, I'd go 70, 80. 69%. So 111 yards out of 161 yards after contact. And I'm just going back in my mind to watching people carve us up last year, going through... Flimsy Desmond Trufant, Will Harris arm tackles. To me, the defense has got absolutely no better. Like that statistic alone is an embarrassment. And for me, that's absolutely on Aaron Glenn that he's just made no progress with one of the most basic things in the sport, in the NFL, tackling the opposition players. Because Ramondra Stevenson. Is not like the second coming of Marshawn Lynch. He's not like Alvin Kamara elusive. He's a plodding, bang average running back. And he, yeah, we made him look like Marshawn Lynch today. I don't know what you guys thought of that. 
So let me just bring up something which is very pertinent to this conversation. Almost the entire team had a positive tackle grade, apart from three who had a disastrous grade. Do you want to guess? Well, sorry, four or five of them had bad grades. Sorry. Most of the team were good. There, there are 21, 22 qualifying players in the team. On defense, we had one, two, three, four, five players sub 50. Do you want to guess where three of those five came positionally? Defense line. Derek Barnes. Isaiah Boggs had an absolute stinker, I can guarantee it. So three of the five were interior defensive Bugs. lines. McNeil, Bugs, Brockers. Bugs so, missed the width of tackle. Brockers didn't have a tackle he could have made, so he doesn't have a tackle grade. Demetrius Taylor, Aline McNeil, Isaiah Bugs, Malcolm Rodriguez, Kirby Joseph. So three interior defensive linemen, a linebacker and a safety in a line down the middle. That's where the success came from. But pretty much everyone else did good. And some of the best grades we've seen this season have come out of this game for tackling, including AJ Parker, who had a really good game tackling-wise. Alex Anzalone, Mike Hughes, Austin Bryant, all came out of this game with good tackle grades. So it's a real mixed bag, but the common theme was the problem when it came to Ramondre Stevenson. It came all the way down the middle. I'm, I'm sorry, but those tackling stats mean nothing. And I know people say they're tackling that, but they can't rush the passer. They're struggling to defend against the run. They get carved up by a sixth-round rookie playing in his first ever start in this league. I'm sorry, but good tackling doesn't quite cut it when you can't even do basic, basic shit like that. It is, you know, this defense, people going, oh, it, we played better, it held 29 points. Yeah, well, you've got two pressures all game against the Patriots. And that defense, that, that offensive line is not great. Two pressures. You let a rookie, you, you know, you let a second-year running back who is okay, but he's never going to have stats like that again in his life, ever. And I can guarantee you that. You let him run all over you. You let a sixth-round rookie in his first stop throw all over you. You let him escape the pocket, evade tackles. You know, all that is wrong. Forgive me for not getting excited about a few nice tackle grades when the plays have already happened, when the, the chunk plays already been made. The technicality of tackling is very little compared to the actual problems in this team at the minute. This defense is garbage. What Todd Wash is doing with them in practice, I do not know. But if there are going to be changes, his ass needs to be the first one out the door because he has got more than enough talent to be working with on that D-line. And they are getting beaten and battered and bruised every week, it feels like, at this moment in time. They are not making positive contributions in a game. They are not getting sacks. They're not hassling the quarterback, forcing them into errors. You know, And even when they do get through on the rare occasion, they don't make the plays. They don't finish them. They don't execute right. What is he doing with them? And then just the rest of it is just is just garbage. Their receivers are always, are they getting schemed into open space? I don't care. I expect some adjustments been made. I expect Aaron Glenn to fix this. But their receivers are in so much space. I would love, if I had the time, I would go back through the game and see how much individual space these guys are in when they're thrown to, because I reckon it's goddamn high. Every time one of our receivers had a ball thrown at him, he seemed to have a man draped all over him in perfect coverage. You couldn't do anything with it. So, no, there's absolutely no redefining features about the defense in this game at all because 
The problems that they had are big. They're huge. And if we want to go forward as a team, we need some major overhaul, some major changes. Otherwise, it's going to be the same old problems again and again and again and again and again. You know, I mean, what the hell are we going to do when we start facing first string quarterbacks again, not just backups? There is no redeeming qualities about this defense whatsoever from these last two games. It's been absolutely king awful. So I want to move on to a couple of positives just because I want to break up all the negativity. And I am going to talk about the defense. I am. I disagree with you, and As a collective, I agree with you. The defense has had few redeeming features. But I, 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 you've heard me say this before. I do not agree with blanket criticism of every single player on that defense. And apologies if you don't mean that. But I don't agree with blanket negativity on the defense if there are individual good performances that I can laud. Because I don't believe this is very much an anti-Carlos kind of Monares point. I don't believe that you can credibly criticize people if you can't recognize the positives that exist. And it depends whether you agree that there's any that exist at all. But this was the best damn game. The best damn game I have seen Alex Anzalone play in a line shirt by a long way. He was all over the field. In terms of us staying within six, up to three minutes away from halftime, he was pretty much the sole reason that was happening. He was getting tackles in the backfield. He was filling his gaps with ferocity. He saved the touchdown very early on with that Stevenson tackle. He made the pass break up over the middle, which would have been a really nice completion for New England, but he broke that up. I thought he was flawless in the first half. Now, fell away a little bit into the second half, but I came away from that first half thinking, He's the only guy I can really point to that's had a good game. Now, the grading also says that Mike Hughes did better than him. I just don't recall Mike doing much, to be honest. But apparently he had a good game. Um, he had... Did he have a pass breakup? I'm having a look now. Uh, he had a stop. Anzalone had two stops. Austin Bryant had five stops recorded as a loss to the defense. I don't recall that either. But Anzalone stood out to me. And that's significant to me because when we were playing well on offense when we saw other things to talk about that were positive we were still picking him out as a negative well I'd feel I'd be remiss for not missing him as the one thing that I can pick out from this team as being a positive apart from Craig Reynolds on the offense who I also thought had a really good day but those those are my two and that's all I can say Craig Please. Reynolds was good Ladies and gentlemen, we are 22 games into the Dan Campbell system here in Detroit, and the best we can come up with is our senior linebacker had half a good game. <laughs> that, that's all we can come up with. I'm sorry, but Anzalone is part of the problem. I know he had a good half yesterday, but are we really going to get that as a positive? 22 games in, and the best we can do is our linebacker, our leader on defense, has half a good game. That, that is it. That And we're, and we're happy with that. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and loud that. I just am not. You know me, Matt. I'm a very positive guy, and I will give credit where it's due to things here. But this defense is rubbish. Absolutely rubbish. I didn't I'm say it wasn't. Gonna, but I'm not going to sit, I'm not gonna sit but, here Matt, and loud Alexander half a game. Half a what game. Oh, yeah. What you're saying is the equivalent of 
you know, well, the Titanic has hit the iceberg and the ship sunk and the bodies in the water and hundreds of people have died. But, you know, the cushions in the lifeboats were quite comfy. Like, no one cares about Alex Anzalone and his performance. No one cares. And, and also, in the scheme of this franchise, it's completely irrelevant. Like, possibly if Kirby Joseph had had a brilliant game or... I don't, I don't know one of the other rookies. You could possibly just about squeeze a half a positive out of it, but there is nothing positive about Alex Anzalone not being as shit as usual. No, and, and that's the point. You know, I have expectations this year now. Maybe last year I'd have gone, oh, yeah, he did all right. He played well. But, you know, I expect my team to compete this year, not get blown out, not be beaten on nearly every single damn play because the other team wants it more. And just tiny little things like that are not acceptable anymore. This season, none of us, you know, Playoffs were not a thing, you know. Oh, oh, if we can maybe threaten a wild card, that's fine. All we wanted to see was this team get better this year, for the players to individually develop and look better, and this team to look like it's heading in the right direction. But ever since we screwed the end of that Minnesota Vikings game, this team looks like its confidence is shot. The players are not getting better. They are not performing as they should be. And I am not going to sit here and start picking out tiny little individual things now at this point because the problems are so damn big that this requires something dramatic to happen now. Dramatic changes need to be made. Little slithers of one individual having half of That don't count no more. I need and expect more than that, and we should all expect more than that. That is why, you know, I'm very loath to say that there were any redeeming features from yesterday at all. I know, Matt, you made the point that the offense still had lots of yards. We outgained it, but we didn't do anything with it. We couldn't convert drives. We couldn't finish drives. And this is from an offense that is meant to be good, where most of our vets are. It's our better unit. It should be capable of putting up points. And it failed. The offensive line failed to protect its quarterback. They failed to get the run game going. They failed to execute on all the big plays here. Those are the issues that we need to focus on at this moment in time. And I'm not going to accept it anymore. These moral victories, these tiny victories, they are not acceptable anymore. Until I see something pertinent and real and distinguishable that this team is heading in the right direction because of it, they're not going to get louder for this small stuff anymore. Because if we carry on doing that, then nothing's going to change. It really isn't. Ryan, you've sat patiently. Have you got any thoughts on this? <laughs> See, it's just so misleading because, let's say, all that yardage we got on offense, it was all in our own half. We barely made any plays whatsoever in that half. We got the ball at midfield twice. And we didn't even get a fucking field goal out of either it. We got two turnover on downs. We practically got the ball at the 45 of our own yard line and we gained like 20 yards and then got shoved back again. We at this number one offense in the league, it's totally fraudulent, isn't it? Like you say, our explosive offense is fraudulent. There's some chunk players and then it's full of a lot of dross. Justin Jackson was okay. Craig Reynolds had a few big chunk players, but other than that, didn't do a right lot. Josh Reynolds, okay. Rest of the offense, absolute putrid. Paul and Barry Chuckle, the fucking Chuckle brothers, Austin Bryant and Julian Aquara can get the fuck out of this team. 
they have had what two, how many chances now in rotation to get something going this year? Done fuck all of it, and they'll do fuck all till end of time. I'm sick to death of wasting my time, players like that. Unless Charles you're from Harris. the UK, you won't know who the Chuckle Brothers are, so apologies for that. You'll have to look it up um, to me, to you, etc. Um, Ryan, sorry. You're too simple, tens, yeah. Derek Barnes. <laughs> I'm done with Derek Barnes. He won't be on this team next year. Absolutely no improvement whatsoever throughout his entire in this Detroit team. I'm just going to say that now. Hutchinson looks like a headless chicken. He looks like he ain't got a fucking clue what he's doing. It looks like he doesn't have any other ideas and I'm going to run it really hard and I'm going to try to push you. I'm going to try to get around you. And so if anyone with any technical ability gets in front of him, he just flaps and panics. And for the relentless motor of playing, like, say, 90, 95% snaps, he's knackered and we're getting little production out of him. Currently right now, we're not getting anything near, like, a second overall pick. So he needs to go back to drawing board and he needs to work on himself on work and what he's bringing because this all out 100% flout aggression just not working. He had Zappi dead to rights and Bailey Zappi is bang average. He's slow, he's not mobile, and he made him look like a dickhead. He juked him, he took a bad angle, overrushed him, and that it was just it made him look silly. And that just that's just not acceptable. So the defense, yeah, Anzalone, he had a good half. Like I say, those first two drives were the best defensive drives maybe of the season. We got bad field position. We let them drive. We came away two field goals. Everything after that, bit of a car crash. And the final quarter, we were just praying for it to end. They weren't asked. They just wanted to get to end the game. I don't think even when we asked, our heads had dropped that low. And I don't know where we go from here. Something's got to change. Aubrey Pleasant, Todd Wash, if any of them get fired, I'm not going to bat fucking eyelid because I'm not seeing any improvements in those units. Even with banged up defensive backs, we're still seeing blown coverages, more miscommunications. Aaron Glenn, I'll be surprised if he's here next year. Will he fire him mid-season? I don't think anyone has got the bollocks in his front office to do that. That, that. So I think right now we're probably stuck with the majority of the coaching staff. Dan Campbell, I don't think he's going to get fired. I'm sick to death of him making excuses and being a whiny little bitch in presses. He's full of shit talking at the media. He hasn't learned anything whatsoever. I say he is still just as bad with the media as he was last year. And I'm sick of him trying to say, oh, always me, that one's on me. Yeah, last week was on you. Baltimore was on you. Chicago was on you when you fucked up all those other fourth down calls. And you're like, oh, I'd have that back if I could. And then today opens his big stupid gob again. Oh, I don't remember any of the fourth call down yesterday. This team is supposed to have one of the best punters in the league. Wouldn't fucking know it though, would we? Because he's not utilised. said that fourth and nine. I do. I blame God for the fumble, but I blame DC Moore for letting him the play happen. We could have pinned them deep. Bailey Zappi could have gone ninety-five yards and scored, but we might have made him work for it. But going for it was just a terrible call and it's now a second time in a couple of weeks where we've decided not to punt and try pin them deep and we've been shown up for it and the players like that have just got to stop he has got to stop rolling the dice and start utilising the weapons he's got kicker situation 
by the time we got to half time, we couldn't even have any field goals anywhere. So it didn't even matter when we got in field goal range because field goals were useless. Like I said, they would have just literally been, well, let's see what we've got. I just, the personnel decisions just baffle me. Like I said, we signed Badgley a day after we worked out two kickers, but we didn't sign either of them. Did we even work out Badgley? I don't think he even came in for a workout. I literally think you rung him and offered him a deal. But we worked out Sam, I don't know, Fender or something, and hired him for Lala, for Lala, for Lala, whatever no, 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 the That's no, apparently Badgley was on the stadium tour and someone <laughs> yeah. just saw him and he won he, he must have that make, make a wish foundation or something. He must have won a <laughs> raffle ticket to be a kicker. Because no one saw him work out. They just literally said, Yeah, do you want to come in? So I don't know. Like who's gonna be the kicker this week? Because I get they're not probably not even on the roster yet. He was on the stadium not tour. Week, he, he bought we, a bar of chocolate. It contained a golden a ticket. It said, do you fancy playing kicker for the Lions this weekend? <laughs> yeah, so this game was just terrible. The defence in the first half did some bits. And then when the second half, the body started to hit the floor and we really got exposed. And everything just went wrong. And they were just knackered. We have really now been shown, ex- exposed how bad the depth is on defence. And I am running to the table, and at the trade deadline, I am a buyer. There's teams out there that have got young defensive talent, and we've got players like Hawkinson that, one, I don't think is good enough, but two, is completely wasted. We don't even use him half the time. And no wonder he's got a face like a slapped ass every week. You're probably thinking, why am I here if no one wants to throw the ball to me? And he can't even block. He's absolute fucking pony at blocking. He got called for holding again. Yeah, useless, long-haired caveman twit. Absolutely useless. So in the presser, Dan said, oh, yeah, we tried chipping um, the the Patriots uh, defensive end. You got all the sacks. Can't remember his name. Judon. Judon. We tried chipping Judon a lot. And it's like, if Hawkinson's chipping him, you might as well make him a conveyor belt and speed him on his way. Sorry, Hawkinson can't block. And then we don't throw the ball. He can't catch. And everyone getting well, carried away. Everyone getting carried away with his performance last uh, last week needs to take a long, hard look at themselves in the mirror because he's never done that in his career. And there's no reason to think he's going to do it again. Well, that strip sack on the fourth and nine, it was TJ one-on-one with Matthew Judon. Who the <laughs> hell makes that call? You put your tight end one-on-one with their best pass rusher, who's been causing your actual offensive tackles no end of problems, and what does he do? He goes and strip-sacks him, and they get seven. Someone needs firing for that decision alone to have TJ one-on-one with Matthew Judon. It's disgusting. You know, it's just one of these many questionable decisions. It's like, okay, we're going to go for it on fourth and long. Right, where the hell are the best pass rushers? I'm putting my best guys on them. I don't know. Just just, just leave the tight end with them. You'll be fine. You'll be ready. Ten seconds later, yeah, you're like, well, shit, I should have made that call. Isn't that why we drafted James Mitchell? So you can block. He was yeah. active, wasn't he? Yep. Mm. Oh, oh, I, I, Brock yeah. Wright. Brock Wright can chip. We've seen him crack block and chip. Every other tight end we have can block better than PJ. Brock Wright had an 82.6 pass blocking grade on three pass blocking snaps, but he had he had the lowest PFF grade of any of our players on offense. PFF's week. a total made up thing. It's like expected goals in football. Everyone uses it every week. It don't mean anything, does it? TJ, what's it? In Hutchinson got like what 80.6. 
what does that mean? 80.6 what? Is there so we, we, watch, we, we like, watched it and scout you know, badges. Yeah, you know, we, we can't be trying to find moral victories in PFF grades. We all saw what happened yesterday, oh, yeah. and you know, we all know just how bad it was. There, there is no sanctuary to be found from yesterday's performance for anybody, whether rookie, whether vet, they all failed when they should have succeeded. <laughs> JGB has just corrected us on the in the chat. He said Judon beat Saul for the strip sack. He beat Hawkinson just for a normal sack, which I I believe oh, is correct. But that, that might be fair then. Yeah, still but, you should have been putting your tight end on Matthew Judon. Yeah, stop. it's it's a big mistake and double teaming with Hawk there with Judon on that side, fine. But you don't do it that way. It's a massive mistake, right? We have waxed lyrical about the problems in this team, in this game, about the bad decision-making all the way through. I'm giving them a pass on the final four fourth downs, by the way, just because we're so far behind. You kind of got to go for it at this point. The first two were egregiously bad. But out of this oh, game whoa. and out of, the, out of the game before and the last season and a half, I mean, have we truly written off last season? I don't know. Look at the record over the last year and a half, and it's pretty dire. People are talking about firings. They're talking about heads rolling. There's some real anger in the chat, on Twitter, in the community in Detroit. Should any heads be rolling right now? Are there any people who you're just saying the seat's getting warm and we need to evaluate them over the next few weeks? What do we need to do to get better? What are the solutions here? What would you do to make this better? I just want to first up say that you calling those first two fourth downs egregious is wrong. The first one is not egregious. It is really not. They need that oh. half a yard. Well, yes, you're right. And I did I did say that on Micro Mike's uh, show for LNU, that it was a marginal decision that I disagree with. It wasn't egregious. The second one was egregious. So it sounds stupid, but in principle, what do we need to do to get better? The players need to play better. I know it sounds like really easy in that, but they, they really do. The offense didn't convert yesterday. That's on them. They were getting into too many third and fourth down situations. That's on them, not converting these plays, getting fought too much. We're, we're told this is a team full of grit and strength, and he's going to outlast every other team because of how hard it plays with its heart. Well, yesterday you saw that wasn't true. It really just was not true at all. And that's on the players. You know, you've got a base level of commitment to show in these games, and they didn't show it yesterday. So that is the first thing that needs to change. You know, the second, the coaches have to get their asses in gear because a lot of these problems are, you know, self-inflicted. You know, you can put so much on a talent deficiency here, but there's pretty much all of you have said in this show, so much of it is simple stuff. It's tactical, you know, missed assignments, blown coverages. That's not a talent issue. That's a coaching issue, not training them properly, not getting them done properly. You know, and tactically as a whole, they've got to be better. You know, we've got opposition running backs saying they know what our schemes are. We've got opposition players from yesterday saying the decision to try and run on us so early. We know what's coming. You know, it's it seems we're getting figured out far too easy. We're not disguising coverages. We're not... We're not mixing it up. You know, it's the same old simple play calls all the damn time and people know what's coming. 
So the players have to get better. The coaches, everybody has to do their job better. And I know it sounds like a cop-out answer. It's very easy and it's not good, but, but it is. When the problems are so simple in a lot of the cases, stop giving stupid penalties away. You know, do your assignments. Do what you're meant to do to the best of your ability. And none of this missing it all all the time. That is the base thing they all have to start doing right now. And that's how you get a little bit better. But they, they've not shown this season that they can so far. And that is the most concerning thing of them all. And the vets have to start playing. I'm, I'm sick of the vets at the moment. I'm sick of our veteran players not playing like it. You know, the rookies are having to do all the work here at this moment in time. And I'm tired of freeloaders on this team. And it seems like we're finding more freeloaders this year. So get better. That That is all I can say for now. I mean, just in terms of, like, what do we want to see? I actually don't want to see anyone fired. Like, I'm completely fine with them not firing any of the coaching staff because I don't think they deserve to give the rebuild a rebuild. Like, like I don't think, I don't think Campbell's earned that right. It's his, it's his coaching team. He's picked them. They've already fucked up with Anthony Lynn and they dealt with that quite quickly. But he's picked his coaches. He's got the team that he wants around him. Like, let's not try and change it and add more to the chaos because then when things go wrong, it'll be, oh, the coaches are just settling in. I don't want to give them any excuses. I want this coaching staff to be held accountable at the end of the season. So, you know, we're... Our, our playoff chances, which were never there in the first place, are now just, you know, just shrapnel on the floor. So let's give the coaching staff time to work with the players. But let's be absolutely merciless with some of these players. You know, I mean, Julian Aquara, a specialist pass rusher that doesn't create any pressures or sacks. You know, Hutchinson, who has come in and has performed you know, really well in the first couple of games, has got four sacks on Carson Wentz, but you know, then Wentz has been sacked 14 times in the last three games. So maybe that doesn't look so good, but it, it kind of feels like we were already lauding Hutchinson you know, as defensive rookie of the year. Of the year. I, I just think the coaches have got to be really, really tough on the players. And... They've absolutely, yeah, as you said, no freeloaders on defense. The, the other thing I just want to talk about is just like widening it out a bit. Let's look at other rebuild teams and see how they're doing. So let's look at like the New York Jets. Like, this is a team that, that I think Robert Salah was hired at the same time as Campbell. You know, so much has gone wrong for the Jets. They've had all the same issues that we have. They've had, you know, um, high draft picks blowing up like Mackie Beckton. They've had, they've had terrible injuries. They've had some of the worst injuries in any NFL team. And they're three and two. And they've just beaten the Dolphins 40 17. You know, look at the Giants four and one. Okay, in the NFC, NFC East, but they've just beaten the Packers. Even the Bears are showing signs of, of life, although the, the offense still stinks. But, you know, they're at least playing a bit better. 
it, it just feels like in terms of all the rebuilds that we're the one that people are still laughing at. And, and for me, that's probably the biggest issue. I, d- I don't know what you guys think. We're flatlined. I, I genuinely think at the minute we're flatlined. There, there's, there is no tangible progress forward at the minute. I mean, you know, after that, what, to, to that Washington game, you kind of saw the progress there. But I just think the confidence is shot. I think giving away that game to the Vikings when you could have made a statement in the division, when you could have made a statement, gone two and one on the season, that was a real big meter stick measurement for this team and they came up short and since then I don't know whether they begin to doubt themselves over it you know against the Seahawks they just kept giving up points after you know time after time after time the offense still believed but I think the defense stopped believing and then this week you saw both sides of the team did not believe in themselves and I think this is going to take a long time to fix but you're absolutely right Steve people just go in oh it's you know, we're a few games into the second season. They inherited a mess, etc. Let me look at the mess that they inherited Jacksonville. I know they've got their star quarterback of the future and whatnot, but that's it. No, that shit show there. They've won more than us. You know, I say the Giants have won more. The Jets have won more. They're in their own bad situations, in their own bad Palace places, with, with bad rushes. Yeah, and. We're still flatlining and people are like, oh, it's fine. It's a rebuild. It takes time. No, I am sorry, but all these teams we are playing this season who are on the same... I'm not looking forward to playing the Giants now or the Jets or the Jags. Even the Panthers have shown a little bit of life this year. Not much, but they've shown some. And now they've just fired their head coach. So, you know, who knows? They might come good all of a sudden because there's talent to be had there. Whereas us, it feels like we've flatlined. Those teams are all just getting a little bit better all the time. We are not getting better. And to the point where we're already having to look to the draft again. And you've got players who are injured, who are not coming back. And, you know, there's there's very little development. Outside of, you know, Malcolm Rodriguez, I'm seeing a lot of development. Aleem, I'm seeing still some development there. I, I'm not seeing enough from enough players here. And I'm, I'm not seeing the team bond as one and act like it can be proficient. You know, we just got blown out. We Let's face it, we never had any chance of winning that Seahawks game. We were always too far behind. It's the problem we've had forever. We never had a chance of winning this game. We've flatlined. We, we've shown that we can't even compete in games at the minute. And, and all these other teams are not doing that. They're getting better. Right. Ryan, why don't you have a word on what you might change to fix the team? And then I've got a question for all of you, which should be one-word answers, and then maybe we'll wrap. Ryan, what what are you going to change to fix the team? Right, well, I'm just going to start by saying that Dan Campbell thinks we've hit rock bottom. We're barely at bikini bottom. There's a lot worse that this can go. This can get a lot further down. I think that was a very, very foolish thing to say. So that's what I'll say now. So, one, what we should do is, I want to see aggressive Brad Holmes. We went up and got Jameson Williams. We traded up for Derek Barnes. I want to be buyers. I want to go out there and pick on a team that has got uncertainty off the field and try bringing some defensive recruits. Not for the now, not a 30-year rental, someone that's 25, 26, even if we have to give up capital, even if we have to give them Hawkinson and someone like that. I want to look towards freshening up the defence. Two, we need to change the front. We need to go back to using some three-man fronts. We need to mix up the coverage. We need to do some stunts. We need to start standing some players up. 
we need to make the defence look different because right now we're just going base like four, two, five or whatever. It's just not working. We're just too blatantly obvious. Offence. Offence has done fine so far. Ben Johnson's just had a stinker. So but we'll see what happens after once we get healthy. So yeah, but coaching. I think the only staff that are probably in danger are guys like Todd Wash and any defensive assistants because they're probably the only ones that you swap in the season. I don't think anything major will happen in the season. I just don't think they're going to do it. I think there's only a ceiling of how much better we can get. We're not going to get much better, and I've accepted that. But that's fine. Like I said, we're now in damage limitation mode. We need to try chip away, get some wins, and just try to get to the end of the year without too many guys on the hospital wing. Because right now, we're getting some guys back up IR, but we're probably going to be putting some more on. So the, the, the buy is really not going to make much difference, I don't think. We're going to lose some more guys for Dallas, even if we get some back. So right now, in the short term, it's just, yeah, it's just going to be going back to basics. So, just after... I, there's not a lot we can do right now, actually, I don't think. Just after Ryan mentioned that um, reference to SpongeBob, I've got that that little meme in my head, mainly on TikTok, actually, of um, Squidward saying, "Why aren't you in uniform?" And it's being said to Marnie Oruwarie because he's he's not playing. Um, anyway, the question that I have for you guys, which maybe we can finish off with, and you know, maybe after we've all had one word on this, maybe expand on it after we've all had a quick say of that. And then we'll wrap. If anyone has any questions, it'd be a good idea to get them in now and maybe we can discuss them right at the end. There's three facets to this team that in the main. There's the general manager, there's the coaching staff, there's the players. Do you believe for all three of those things that we are going in the right direction, that we're staying where we are, or we've regressed? So trying to kind of nail down exactly where this problem is. So do you think the personnel has improved year to year comparing it to last year? Do you think we we are better personnel-wise than we were? Do you think coaching-wise we've improved with where we are or we've regressed? And the general manager, do you think that he has made good decisions, bad decisions, or about neutral? We need to nail down exactly where this problem is. If you can just give me for each three of those, without too much discussion, exactly just like kind of improvement, not improvement, stay where we are. And then maybe we just discuss it as a round table, but just so everyone has a say. Steve, let's go for you. Um, general manager and personnel, no one in their right mind can say that we are not better. Like, of course we're better. We had one of the worst rosters. So yeah, we are better. Coaching... I think we're about the same, <laughs> which is a kind of an indictment. Um, players, in terms of execution, I don't think he's any better, if not worse. And I'll do minus percent. So, GM, I have very little issue with. Coach, coaches. I have an issue with players. I have an issue with 
Um, I, I think the players are better, but underperforming. Yeah. Yeah. Better, but underperforming. That's, that's it's hard to do. It's in a word, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, so it, well we, can, we can discuss I, it afterwards. So I do it percentage wise. I'd say I've got 10% problem with the GM, uh, 45 with the coaches, 45 with the players. All right. Ryan? Players, talented, but playing poorly. Head coach, regression. I'm losing faith. Coaches, neutral. General manager, neutral. Okay, so for me, general manager, improved. I know that's probably a really unpopular take, but I genuinely think... That I genuinely believe that the playing personnel is vastly improved in quality from year to year. I think our defense has much better personnel, and I think our offense through the first four weeks was more indicative of what happened yesterday. I think the overall across the five games is probably about where we are. They overperformed in the first four, and the fifth was just a regression back to the mean. If you have a look at our averages now, it's probably where I expect us to be, and that is better than last year. So personnel's improved, and I like what the GM's done. Not a massive fan of taking injured players like he has, but we didn't know that um, our D-lineman in the second round was injured. We didn't know that. He got injured then subsequently. Wide receiver prospect hasn't come back yet. Levi's obviously been a disaster. There's an element of luck in those choices. It works out. It doesn't. Sometimes it's just not the GM's fault. Sometimes it is. But overall, I think it's been a good thing. Players improved. That's a GM thing. Underperforming. That's a player thing and a coaching thing. Coaching is a massive question mark outside of the head coach. There's no improvement for the majority of players and they're being put in poor in poor situations. That's on both the OC and the DC. The OC has made it, it, it clearly better than last year, but still not great. DC, massive regression from last year, huge regression. And part of that's on the position coaches. All of the defensive position coaches should feel their seat getting slightly warm. Not too bad, but slightly warm. It's, it's rough. Someone mentioned ownership in the chat, and I just want to address that. The owner is the one who has to ultimately make all these decisions. We cannot change the owner. I just want to focus on things we can actually fix. Ownership debate not entertained here. It's nothing we can do anything about. Let's open this up to a discussion. Steve. Um, I've just thought of a positive. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, It's going to be a silly one. No, genuinely, I'm really pleased with our running back room. And I think Juice Staley's done a really good job because I think he's like, I know Swift is perma injured, but I think he's got more out of Swift. I think Jamal Williams looks like a decent RB2. And I think Craig Reynolds, who came in, you know, from the practice squad, like, is like, okay, he's not setting the world on fire, but he's showing show real, real decent potential. And he was one of our better players yesterday. So I think just the running back room is a big tick for me. There you go. I can make a sensible point, Ryan. I will, however, now just dick about for the rest of the pod. So the whole thing with the GM, I think Brad Holmes' biggest problem when he came here is he inherited a rotten cap situation, probably one of the worst in the league. We had bloated contracts on players who weren't worth a dime 
and that was always going to take a long time to fix. These last two free agencies under him, we've had no money. And I know people go, oh, but we had more money last year. We had the sixth biggest cap, yada, yada. We'd have like 30 million. You've got to pay your draft class with that. You've got to pay your 53-man roster with that, which, you know, all those figures aren't encountered at the time. And you've got all the other issues, your in-season money, your stuff like that. We're still paying Trey Flowers $13 million this year. You know, that, that, that just goes to show the cap issue he's been up against. And in fairness to him, he sorted that out really, really well. You know, the amount of, you know, bad contracts on our team now, probably number maybe two maybe three, not like 15 or 20 when he got here. And that was always going to take time. And that's always going to affect your ability to construct a roster when you don't have the money available to you. Hopefully in future years, it's going to come. As for his drafting, you can't comment on that yet. You've got to give a draft class three years before you start saying whether it's truly bust potential or anything like that. You know, Levi, Barnes, all these guys, they've got another year and a bit yet. Then you start grading his draft classes. But overall, he seems to have done pretty decent when it comes to getting players and identifying lower talent there. So none of this is on Brad Holmes. I just don't think there's any any reason to be having a go at him right now. The players are the ones who are underperforming at the end of the day. And I genuinely think they are. And the coaches have not done a good enough job. Tom Wash, not good enough. Aubrey Pleasant, not good enough. Kelvin Shepard's the only one earning stripes at the minute because he's working with a room, you know, made up of rookies and useless vets. So, and, and he's getting some out of them. But these coaches are just, they're struggling. And apart from Hank, I, you know, Hank can like be in a room on his own because he's a king. He really is. But everyone else needs to take a long, hard look in the mirror and look at what they're doing and how they're developing these players because the development is stalled. And you can't just have a go at the staff all the time. There's got to be players taking accountability here as well. And, you know, the offensive line let us down this weekend. You know, everybody let us down this weekend. And can't just keep blaming the coaches for it. But there's nothing on Holmes here at the minute. I know he's made one bad trade for Benson and people say the Brockers stuff, but it ain't going to kill us in the long run. He really has managed this cap well, and that needed to be his number one priority coming here. And he did it. problem with me is these coaches are not going to stick around. Why would Hank Fraley stay here another year or two? Honestly, I I really fail to see why the best coaches we've got, Juice Staley, what on earth is going to keep Juice Staley next year? When he gets offered an assistant head coach job or a full offensive coordinator job or a head coach job, he is taking it. I don't care what anyone tells me, I am not convinced they're going to stay. So these good coaches we've got they will not be here long term. I, I just I am not getting attached to anyone because I think they'll be on to better pastures. Well, I think the, the entire Carolina Panthers um, coaching staff's been fired today, so that's going to be two or three juicy jobs. Yeah, Jeez. there you go. That straight away, that's going to say Juice Daly, Hank Fraley, Aaron Glenn. They could all get a head coach. The, the vacancy is up for them. See, that, that's an interesting situation for me, that Panthers one. It's like I say, I think this is where Brad Holmes will start to come under the spotlight a little for me. His roster construction. We are not going to fix this defense through the draft. Anyone who thinks we are is wrong. 
because we can't just keep throwing rookies into a never-ending meat grinder where they get chewed up and spat out every week because there's no veterans in there to deal with them. We need bona fide NFL talent, which is experienced and can contribute from day one and lead by example in this team. That Panthers defense is ripe for plucking. They don't have a head coach. They don't have a lot of picks. They've got four picks going into the next draft. That is it. They will want some picks. They will want to load up and give the new guy a chance to at least do something with that team. Brad Holmes, get on the phone, ring them up at the very least and start inquiring about at least a half dozen of that defense. And if you can get the right deal at the right price for this franchise, start bringing guys in. It doesn't have to be limited to Carolina. Go to every other team as well. See who's available. See who's worth it and start using some of these picks productively and start getting some players in here who will lead. By example, I, I put this in our Discord chat earlier. You know, when was the last time we bought in someone from outside the organization as a vet on that defense who benefited it? I mean, Coleman, Trufon, Flowers, Brockers, the list goes on and on and on of people who've come here, earned a wage, and then got lost, you know, and they've had a pretty penny from us for the previous of it. It's been yeah, it's been one of the big Achilles heels of this team is trying to find vets to come in here and mentor the young guys. We've, we've got to do it. Brad Holmes has to go out there and be proactive, get in this trade market, get people in. And I don't care in some cases what the cost is. The Lions have waived Maurice Alexander. Breaking news. I just don't think they know what they're doing. My closing point, I'm, my final statement is, what I want to change is I want to see Dan Campbell actually be a coach because so far I think he's been a poor coach. We don't need a cheerleader. I don't care about him in motivator. I don't care if he's a lovely guy. We're not paying him to do that. Anyone can, you can get a bloody tiny temper album on your iPod and that can motivate you in the bloody gym. Like say someone shouting or yelling at me. I don't care about him as a person. I don't care if he's a lovely guy. Right now, he's not been a very good head coach. Like I said, he's making bad decisions. And for me, I'm just not seeing the level of coaching that I expect from him. And I would like to see him drop the nice guy act and just knuckle down. So there's been a really interesting solution pointed to, and maybe let's call it a year-end play if it really does all go to pot. How's this for a potential solution to the coaching problem? Dan Cavill's fired. Deuce Staley is promoted to head coach. Ben Johnson's retained as offensive coordinator. Aaron Glenn is fired. And Aubrey Pleasant is promoted to DC. How are you feeling about that as a kind of, it's a disaster situation and things seriously need to change. That's what's going forward. Again, very inexperienced. But if you're talking about the best of your coaches, they may be some of the best of them that we have right now. Replace Aubrey Pleasant with Kelvin Shepard. Aubrey Pleasant has done nothing to warrant that job as DC. He's supposed to be the secondary expert. I got excited with what he did with Jacobs and Parker last year, but his vets ain't getting better. And we've seen no legitimate progression, really, from anybody this year in that secondary. Kelvin Shepard commands respect, and he works his players hard. And I feel like that would be the thing. That I just want to go on by saying firing Dan Campbell is not the answer you are going to make it incredibly difficult 
for someone legitimate to want to come to Detroit if they know that they're going to get less than a season and a half to do their work. If we're going to be that knee-jerk, then, you know, we knew what we were getting with Dan, and we have to ride this train out until it's conclusion, but a conclusion where we've at least given him the opportunity to be successful because last year wasn't it. You know, Matt Patricia took over a playoff team or a team on the verge of the playoffs. He took over a nine and seven team that was ready to take that next step forward. He had the entire groundwork laid for him. He couldn't have asked for a better situation to come in. He got three years. Are we going to say to Dan Campbell, you're going to get the shittiest situation that any head coach has had to deal with in some time and you're going to get one year and five games or one year and six games. You can't do that. You, you, you can't do that. It's just not fair to him. And I know he's making mistakes. I know he's making errors. You have to hope it's part of the learning process moving forward, but you can't make that decision now. I know people no, will be saying... I agree. I know people will be saying it's like he's trying to nip a problem in the bud before it comes a big problem, but your out, the outside you know, interpretation of what happens there is that you are a trigger-happy team that will demand instant results, and if you're gone, you're fired. So no legitimate coach will give you time of day. Not to mention, you're probably going to ruin the trust of a lot of your players. You're going to have overhaul again because he is a culture guy. You're going to ruin that culture. You're going to cause yourself a ton of problems internally if you don't give him a fair whack at it. So, you know, as, as, as a technical theory... It's fine without Pleasant in the equation, but we should not even be thinking about Dan Campbell at the moment. At least wait until this season's done and you can evaluate it as a whole. See where your rebuild is after two years. And if you feel the need to pull the trigger then because you've seen it up, you don't like, that's fine. But not now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Um, I'm inclined to close the show on that point, gents, unless anyone has anything else they want to bring up. No. All right, it's been a rough week, guys, but I hope you all have a good bye week and two weeks to go until the next one. Rest up, can't lose next week. Fingers crossed it all gets better from here. Next episode is the College Football Podcast on Rural Alliance UK. Ant and Ryan are going to be chatting you through week seven just gone and week seven coming up. Um, did I say week seven and week seven? Week six, week and, six week seven. and week seven. Beg your pardon. Um, and a half season mock coming up. So you'll want to see that, especially if you've already given up on this season. Otherwise, the main podcast, I've changed the day, gents. Uh, we're not taking a day off next Monday. Going to take it off on this Thursday, mainly because most people aren't available on the Thursday anyway. So no Thursday show this week as we're on the bye. This time next week will be the quarter season review show, as if we need to go through all this shit again. But oh. that's the topic. That's the topic right now. Now, hey, it could be fun. We could talk about how many points we scored. Um, or I we think we should the... look at. I think we should look at the twenty twenty three cap next week and see where this team's at. Oh Jesus, you're a fun guy. No, uh, I, I genuinely want to see what we can do at this off season. Right, coming. I am opening it up to the listeners if you have a topic that you want discussed which catches my eye tweet us at rotl underscore uk message us on discord or anything like that if there's a topic you want us to discuss get it in comment below whatever you want to do 
Maybe we'll discuss it this time next week. Otherwise, please don't forget to like and sub and rate and all that good stuff. Find us on Rural of the Lines UK on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The group of worldwide fans on Facebook is Detroit Lions Fans UK One Pride Worldwide. And the articles on RoarTheLionsUK.com. Ash doing a great job holding down the fort there. Just before I finish, Steve has put up his hand. Um, I just want to say to everyone watching, and in fact, everyone in the chat, that today is World Mental Health Day. Um, and I just want to say, if you're a Detroit Lions fan today, it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. And in fact, on that point, um, our good friend Luke G, he always starts off his shows with a, a message of saying that he is available for people if they need to speak, that he's always there, DMs are always open. Now, I know that he has um, things of his own to focus on at the moment. Um, and so my DMs, Matthew Turner on my Discord, uh, at mturnernfl on Twitter, or a comment below this video if you need to talk, do it. Don't suffer alone. With that, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week or earlier on the Cottage Show. Let's go Lions, one pride. Mm-hmm.